Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Slow-cooked, succulent meats delivered fast to your door. Search for us via Uber Eats and delivery. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily from Sports Social, the podcast keeping you across all the latest news and opinion from the English Premier League. Even through quarantine, we've got your football fix. If you've never listened to the show before, thanks for downloading the podcast. I'm Niall. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe whenever you get your podcasts and you'll never miss another episode again. Joining me on today's podcast to tackle the top stories, we have Adam Keyworth. Hello, Keezy. Hi, mate. You all right? I'm just about okay, I think. Just trooping through this lockdown is starting to get to me now it is starting to get to me i can tell you that uh we've also got the self-proclaimed b-tech robbie savage will brazier's here too hi will morning mate that's uh this haircut's getting more and more like robbie savage by the day so uh that <laughs> proclamation is becoming very true i was going to ask how's the barnet shaping up have you been searching for for alice bands on ebay yet uh, yeah i might do that actually yeah, i'm gonna do the sides in the back today i'm actually gonna do an instagram live with my uh, barber just so he can talk me through it so uh <laughs> i could have no hair left so. or you could just get you could just get a sponsorship from brill cream and just Ooh. go the complete opposite direction any sides and back any sides and back. i look forward to tuning into that then anyway enough about wheels lid on the podcast today we'll be discussing a proposal from fifa to change the substitution rule they want subs increased from three per game to five per game but who will this actually benefit? Is this another panicked rule change from FIFA, which didn't really need changing in the first place? We'll discuss. Also, after the Dutch Eredivisie said, that's enough lads, we're cancelling the league, French Ligue 1 has followed suit. UEFA says, European leagues have until the 25th of May to decide whether they want to continue or not. So what will the Premier League's approach be? Plus, we round up the latest transfer gossip, including Everton supposedly offering a contract to one of football's forgotten stars. More on that later. But before we begin, lads, if I asked you... Does anyone know what happened in the Premier League on this day in 1996? Will either of you be able to give me some sort of answer? You're speaking now to two people that uh, work for Sporth and our daily morning meeting is trying to cover... I was going to say rubbish like this, but... Uh... I feel bad that we already know the answer. Yeah. Why not? Give it to me. I want to hear um, it. Go on, do, again, we could do with Marley in here. Um, 
it was of course Kevin Keegan uh, with his incredible rant I think yeah it was it definitely was wasn't it yeah it was they've got to go to Middlesbrough and get something that classic so I was just wondering if throughout the course of the podcast we could keep it in the back of our minds and see if we can think of any of football's other greatest meltdowns I'm sure there's been a few over the years so if we can think of some between now and the end of the podcast or even those listening at home share them with us at the sports social on social media and let us know because Kevin Keegan, although I think he tops the lot and takes the prize for it, I'm sure there's been plenty of other meltdowns over the years. I've actually yeah. got one. It's a very small one, but uh, we had uh, Steve Cottrell in charge of Birmingham City uh, <laughs> many moons ago, and it was a small meltdown, but he, uh, we lost 1-0, and he came out in the match and said, we didn't play that bad. And Look, they scored one, but if we'd have scored two, we'd have won. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't, Steve, and that's why we lost. Classic. I think he's had a few over the years, Steve Cotcher, as well. So we'll have a think about that later on in the podcast. But we're going to start with a rule change that's been proposed by FIFA, the governing body of the world game. And that proposed change is to the substitution rule. Currently, the rule is that a team can make a maximum of three subs per game. And once you've made all three, that's it. No more changes. Doesn't matter if someone's injured or can't carry on. They'll have to come off and you can't replace them. But this new proposal, which will need to be ratified by the game's rulemakers, the IFAB, suggests there will be five substitutes available for use. I want to know what benefit this is and why now, Keezy, with all the things going on in the football world, FIFA decided to propose this change. Um, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast that it just looks very, very desperate. Um Bring, trying to bring back some form of the game, any form of the game. I don't know how, though, you can start changing the rules midway through a season. I know that we've had this break and it's like we've, we've never seen times like this before, but surely you can't just start changing one of the fundamental rules. I don't... What are they going to... Are they going to come up with, like, there's no offsides next? It's, it's just a bit weird and I don't know who it benefits. I really don't. Uh, does it benefit uh, teams with bigger squads? Yeah, probably. But we've already seen, I, I was looking yesterday, and there's teams who are training again in the uh, for the Bundesliga, albeit on their own, and players are getting injured already, and they're training on their own. Because footballers are they're so highly strung, and you see it in pre-season and things, that's where your injuries come in at the start of the season, and when players are rusty. So I, d- I don't know who this benefits, and again, it, I can't I can't really be bothered with all of these different rule changes. It's hard enough. We've seen with the offside rule over like the last five years. Just don't don't mess with things because it just makes things more difficult. For me, it's the timing that's a bit weird. I mean, with everything else that's going on in world football, a change to the substitution rule is like the most trivial thing you could think of. I mean, I think keezy has got a point though, Will. Is it the big clubs or hoarders of players like for instance Chelsea who seem to have an army of players out on loan every season is it those clubs that are going to benefit more than perhaps the smaller clubs like those fighting down towards the end of the table I mean I presume so yeah because obviously they've got more quality on the bench to bring on but yeah like Key said it's just a weird time to even think about doing it when you think of all the problems we've got VAR and how that's not been implemented properly I know it's different down to different confederations but Surely, sort of now is the the biggest priority on everything. Not sticking five substitutes. It'd be great if they could. It'd be good if it was for maybe like cup competitions where I know we get the extra sub now, but maybe if that went up to five for like competitions for extra time. But this literally has not been a consideration for anybody apart from the people that have come up with it. So just forget about it. Surely, as well, it causes loads more problems. If if you're winning one nil. 
in the 88th minute and you can then bring on five subs or on the flip side of that say you're losing a game and the other teams had a couple of injuries and wasted a couple of subs you could bring on five new forwards in the second half just to try and win you the game it it's like a one of those fifa game you know like one of those fifa modes that you can change change the rules and <laughs> you can you get two goals for a sub or whatever it's like will said it's so it's such a weird thing to do when anything else going on and the way everything else is that why is this now uh, oh, we've we've got a new idea. It's not not really the time for new ideas, is it? They're, they're trying to get football back in some form, but there's no point changing the rules just to bring it back. What do you think players and managers make of this? Because I mean, I think the kind of the football commentators and the football media in the world are suggesting that this is probably a bit of a stupid idea. But do you think some players will might be sat there at, at home on their PlayStation thinking, oh, I could do with a bit of this. It might mean I get a few more games this season. Maybe second and third choice goalies are rubbing the hand because they might get <laughs> an extra rollout and an appearance fee for the rest of the season. But I mean, I think for maybe trying to throw a positive light on it for youth players, we spoke about Chelsea hoarding all that talent and it going out on loan all the time and that's got its benefits and also its negatives but maybe they'd be more inclined to stay and get more time playing in the Premier League if there was five substitutes per game because the managers got more chance to play them so uh, instead of being 100% negative on it there could be some light on it in that, in that aspect but then like you said that does fit more into the top teams who've got better academies having the chance to to benefit from this new I'm, rule. I'm sure Pep would be very happy with it from a City point of view. Just being able to, because sometimes you look at our bench and you think, Christ, that's ridiculous that you've got those seven players on the bench. If he can then bring five of them on, it's, it's again, it's definitely going to benefit the teams with the, the stronger benches. Does that mean to receive a big bench increase? You might have to start implementing yeah, surely there will some, be. some new, new benches. Yeah, it's the size of benches will increase. I mean, no, yeah. Then we've got another problem now. It's now bench size is going to have to increase. Yeah, te- to, uh, they, have, they, have to be, they have to be two metres apart on the bench. So they, just put them in the stands because there's not going to be any fans ever again, is there? So just stick them in the stands. Or you make the technical areas bigger, but then you may as well give Sean Dyche the flag and have him run the line because <laughs> if they're that long, they may as well be doing the assistant referee's job. Anyway, that's a bit of a wacky quoted rule change from FIFA. But what's happened in the rest of Europe? Well, following on from the Dutch era Eredivisie, the French have decided they're going to draw a line under their league as well. Ligue 1, uh, Ligue 1, Ligue 1 has ended. Uh, it's looking more grim by the day for the Premier League, say some, or is there still a, a glimmer of hope that we can get things restarted? We're, we're a very, very different, not just league, but very different country, I think, as well. Um, you look at France, so there's a, there's a few things on this for me. I think you look at France and there is, compared to the Premier League especially, the broadcast money isn't really there. And that is one of the key things that the Premier League will consider. They're going to lose hundreds of millions of pounds. The French league, for for all of its good parts, isn't quite on that scale of uh, money. And we know that money will always win the day in this. And I think the other thing is, the French government are the ones who've stepped in here. This isn't a this isn't a league and decision or an LFP decision. Uh, the government have said there's no live sporting events, be it behind closed doors or not, until September which has rendered the season gone. Um, so, again, I, I think it's a very different country, France, in that regard. They're very decisive. What we'll do, I totally imagine this will be the case, is that we'll watch the Bundesliga attempt to come back, we'll keep an eye on it, and then we'll follow suit, depending on what happens there. 
Um, however, Germany are already saying that they might have to go back to a stricter lockdown, which makes that whole thing uh, pointless anyway. But I think, again, and the LFP now, so the French version of the FA and Premier League, are now going to decide what happens with that league. When PSG are 12 points clear with the game in hand, not many games left. Um, your bottom three, one of them's already relegated, basically. I think they might already actually be down. There's a couple of other spots up for grabs. But I think the LFP will just decide that if there's a champion, it's obviously going to be PSG. There's a couple of other spots um, for Europe. Lille are quite precariously in fourth. Um, eight points ahead of fifth, but one point behind third. So there's a big argument to be had there. But again, and we, we seem to say it every week, the Premier League will do whatever it takes uh, to make sure that the games are played in any form at this point. It will take the government telling them to stop, to stop doing it. I have a bit of an issue with the whole training ground thing. You see the pictures of the Arsenal training camp thing. They're allowed five players and they're all playing on different pitches. What's the point? Why They're all going to training to train on a separate pitch on their own. I don't really see the point. It's almost like a look how, look how good we are. We're trying to get prepared for whenever the season comes back. The other thing is, you look at all these these mad new rules and regulations across the whole country. We're allowed out for essential exercise. I'm not quite buying that they're allowed to start training before anything else is allowed to go on. Just because the Premier League footballers... I don't get any of it, is the long and short of it. Ligon's cancelled because, again, the government said so. They didn't have a say in it. Um, I don't buy also this whole thing of the Premier League coming back is going to be good for morale for the country no it's not it's not I, I don't want to watch Brighton against Burnley on a Tuesday lunchtime behind closed doors at St George's Park that has absolutely no allure for me and that is as a as a football fan so yeah they'll do whatever it takes but it's just going to roll on and on isn't it I get your opinion there, but I will also kind of play devil's advocate to your opinion there. And I say, I think that it's not mutually exclusive to care about getting over this coronavirus and making sure people are safe and sound and wanting football to come back. I think you can care about both things. I think that's okay to think those thoughts. I do think that that I understand what your perspective is from as from a fan's point of view. I'm not really asked about watching those two teams do better on a Tuesday lunchtime I totally understand that but I also feel that you know it is a big part of the economy sadly Uh, um, I know money will come into it as you mentioned before interestingly enough you speak Mm. about the French government making this decision and saying right that's it boys you've had your feel for this season the Premier League's been praised by epidemiologists Will for actually making the decision themselves proactively to suspend the season rather than the British government making the decision for them. So do you think, sort of by Keezy's logic, that the decision will be left in the hands of the Premier League as to as for when to restart rather than the government making a decision? Uh, I think it will. I don't think it should be. Um, I, think the, I think that move came about just because of... I mean, it's so weird even thinking about how long ago what that was and mm. it doesn't even feel that far away now. And obviously it was so... so new to us at the time and everyone obviously didn't know what was going on so it was obviously the right decision to suspend it I think it will come back just because like you said it is such a juggernaut it's a law unto its own and Mm. if they need the testing kits they'll get the testing kits whether that's at the uh, wherever they get them from Um, it's it's just a tricky one 
like I saw Dan I never give Danny Mills any praise because I normally think he's an <laughs> absolute muppet but he was saying well what is in the national interest to bring like joy to people's lives is that bringing back five episodes of Coronation Street a week is it oh god no what would I like to back? bring back Father Ted uh, bring back something else um, but I don't know I just it doesn't sit well with me but then it does sit well with me I think as well if you're talking about uh, people who you wouldn't normally praise I saw a clip of Simon Jordan this morning and he was saying um, and Gary Neville has said the same thing again we seem to praise Gary Neville every single week um, that this is all well and good that they want to bring it back and there's obviously going to be massive interest whenever it comes back in whatever form not everyone goes to the games so people will always have that opinion of it's rubbish without fans they just want to see the teams fine and if there's going to be 300 people at every game what Neville and Jordan are saying is if one of those people anyone be it a player a a member of the staff a a media person a cameraman uh, whoever whoever is there at the if one of those gets ill and seriously ill that what happens then what what happens then whose fault is it you're then looking at crazy lawsuits and that's the danger that Neville was getting at. It's great if they can bring it back and it's safe. That's the key thing, that it's safe. But as soon as it's not safe, what happens then? You're going back again to to the starting point where there's no football and we start all over again. So it, it's, I think Will's right. You you kind of, you want it, but you don't want it. it it's still so, it's still all so new to us. I don't think, even the experts don't know what's going to happen next week because it's it's ever changing. So, yeah, this obviously I want to go and watch my team play again. That that would make me very happy to be able to do it. But until I can, I'd rather be safe and everyone else be safe in not doing. Yeah, making sure it's, it's the right time to do it. I think is the yeah, absolute key, isn't it? And it's timing. Yeah, I mean, it is frightening, like you say, if the experts don't know what's going to happen next, then how are we, the general public, supposed Mm. to know what's happening next? What staggered me was that graph you referred to of approximately 300 people being needed inside the stadium to, you know, get things back on the ground in terms of getting the game going again. Nearly 150 of those were media personnel, and we all Mm. work in sports media, and we know sort of how big an operation it can be, but that's a staggering amount of people. I mean... Is this a time in which broadcasters should really be working together to minimise the risk? Or does it yeah. go deeper than that because of I've, these contracts that are worth so much money? I've got a lot of friends who do written media uh, for, for football, but I, I wouldn't even want them to be there. And I know that it's their job to be there and cover the games, but if all of these games are going to be streamed and covered and there's no fans, there's no atmosphere to report on, there's no behind the scenes to report on, there's no need for everyone to be there. Surely you can write a match report from home if you need to, especially in these times. There's no glory in going to see City Spurs in the Academy Stadium in front of three people. There's there's no I was there moment to be had there. I get that there's going to have to be a lot, a lot of camera ops for this whole operation. I, I imagine, as has been touted around, that there'll be three or four grounds in the whole country that these games will take part in. Um but you're still going to need a hell of a lot of staff to to manage the camera work, to make sure the live broadcast is there. That's just kind of unavoidable. But the the written media and even even your your uh, your commentary teams and stuff, it 
it's such a huge operation, but people always forget that. Football is a massive operation. The thousands of people behind the scenes at every ground every week is is obscene, but it's just what it needs. Like Will said, it's a juggernaut that just runs on its own, so it's it just sounds like a hell of a lot of people to get one 90 minutes of football. And then you've got the 22 guys running about, tackling each other, spitting on each other every week as well, so it just seems a bit of a, a minefield and I think it goes back to what you said about timing. It doesn't, for me, and I'm no expert and just a, a bloke talking about football, it doesn't seem like the right time. But when will seem like the right time? I, I don't know what, what the answer is and hopefully somebody does know what the answer is because otherwise we're going to be talking about this for forever at this rate. Yeah, absolutely. In amongst all the noise, UEFA have said, will they want teams in the Champions League and Europa League next season? to be decided by on-field results. But if we don't know when football's going to restart, then how are they going to come to that conclusion, especially with two leagues already being cancelled? And they've also given an ultimatum of the 25th of May to European leagues to decide whether they continue. But I'm not sure anyone knows what UEFA will do if nobody meets that 25th of May deadline. It all seems a bit up in the air. Well, it literally is up in the air. And it just makes you wonder how these people making these statements and making these demands where, like do they not watch the news do they what where are they what's going on because they're just making these demands that no one knows the answer Keesey said like, that even the doctors and the experts don't know what this virus is going to do next what how it's going to impact the country so UEFA saying that we need the Champions League places decided probably a little bit of our, a last concern really to be honest so mm. I just just think a bit more common sense just a bit more like human nature to, to the whole thing like, I, I want football back one because it's my job and two because uh, well I was going to say about Birmingham City but it's <laughs> better if the season ended now to be honest but uh, yeah it's just a bit more common sense yeah you want I football think... you want football back but you'd much rather nobody else died of coronavirus I think that's <laughs> yeah that's kind of the most the yeah. most obvious thing you can say but I, I think Will's got a point Keezy hasn't he I mean yeah. what do these decision makers do during the day do they do they yeah. ever keep up to date with what's going on I've, I've no idea and the other thing is you can't get ahead of it you can't guess right okay we're going to do this on this date and UEFA laying down right you must do this before this date it just seems wrong just this thing is so fluid just allow it to be fluid and allow us to react and respond. I don't think sending players back in training next week, which is what is being touted, it just seems like, why are we rushing everyone? Why are we rushing these these things? There's other things we need to worry about. We say it every week. Um, we, we are people from the football world that are saying this. So it, it says a lot that football in itself is, is very like self-important sometimes. And I, th- I think I know that football is so important. It's so important to people, to fans, to the world as as an escape and for entertainment and for for a lot of people, it's people's life. So it's people's livelihoods that all they've got is football, and it, taking it away from them is sad. But at this time, the whole thing is stay safe and don't risk things that don't need to be risked. We we you don't need to start risking people's and it is people's lives. You're not you're not exaggerating saying that just to get 22 blokes kicking lumps out of each other next week. And what the the other question, and this is a very open question, what happens if a player says, "Do you know what? I'm not going. I'm not I'm not going and traveling and staying in a travel lodge for the next 4 weeks to get this league finished. I'm not doing it. I'm not leaving my family. What happens? Is it breach of contract? Is it there's so many things that are up in the air about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Lots to think about, not just for us, but for everyone involved in football at the moment. Right, time to take a quick break here on Football Social Daily. After, we'll be talking about the latest transfer gossip, including Arsenal possibly picking up Bournemouth's Ryan Fraser on a free transfer. Stay tuned, we'll be back after this. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Get it delivered to your door via Deliveroo or Uber Eats. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. I'm Niall. Alongside me to talk all things football today, we've got Will Brazier and Adam Keyworth. We've been discussing about, well, basically what is the situation with the Premier League right now with the coronavirus outbreak still ongoing. Everything's up in the air. But one thing that isn't up in the air is the fact that some training grounds in the Premier League are reopening. These include Arsenal, Brighton, Tottenham and West Ham, who have all allowed players back into their training grounds to train individually. But buildings have remained closed. Keyesy, mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier on in the podcast is this just a precautionary measure from clubs trying to keep players fit in case the season does restart again soon or is this uh, a telltale sign that the Premier League might be back soon I, I think the, the planning they've obviously got a plan and that's absolutely fine they need to it's their business it's we're already seeing clubs going under aren't we really so they, they have to plan for best case scenario which is the back but on the other hand I don't I, I'm I'm no football coach but I don't see there being much reward in getting five players on five different pitches knocking a ball long I, I I can't see the benefit but they're obviously going to have to come back training soon I know that they've all been training from home doing those lovely Instagram videos that remind you of Owen, Har- Owen Hargreaves' showreel back in the day um, there's a lot of that going on but I'm, I'm sure they're keeping fit these are these are athletes they know how to keep fit they could keep fit in a in a changing room if they wanted to. So I'm, I wouldn't worry. Yet again, for me, the question is, Will, what's the point? I mean, if they can't kick balls between each other and pass and do drills and train as a team, then why why are they allowed back into the training ground? What's different to them running around their local recce or their local park or, as Keezy says, doing a workout at home? They're, they're not gaining anything by being at the training ground, are they? No, and I think that's why I think that's why the, there's probably more wheels in motion that we than we know about at the moment because... Like you said, they don't need to be going in. For one of the sports series we've been doing, I've been speaking to different Premier League players and they're none the wiser at the moment. But I think a move like this for opening training grounds and if we get more and more open, I think it does feel like, the, especially the top brass know that the, that June date probably is going to happen. OK, well, talking of the Arsenal training ground, will we see Ryan Fraser at the Arsenal training ground in the near future? It looks like he'll be moving to the Gunners on a free transfer. That's been reported by several sources. How much of a benefit could this be to Arsenal, Will? We know Ryan Fraser's been one of Bournemouth's shining stars over the last couple of seasons and to lose him on a free will be a big blow for Eddie Howe. Yeah, I think he sort of down tools a bit this season as well. He sort of hit the league running and had that golden sort of 12 to 18 month period. But since this contract dispute's been up, I think he's not been on the on the top bit of form and maybe that says a bit about his character and uh, he's, what is he, 24, 25? And a, a move like that for Arsenal is fantastic. Um I think Eddie Howe, knowing how astute he is, he'd have made provisions to probably get the next big thing that we maybe even we don't know. So even for Arsenal, is, it, is he going to get in that squad? Well, he'll definitely get in the squad, but in that 11 with Pepe, Lacazette and Bamiang as a front three. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. 
how much of a of a loss will this be to Bournemouth? Because we know that they're struggling, Keezy, down the bottom of the table, and it's it's almost felt like over the last two seasons that Bournemouth were going to be in this precarious position at some point. They've kind of made a business model over keeping players that they've had from the championship days and picking up the best talent from the EFL for a decent price and sort of implementing that into their Premier League squad. And and Ryan Fraser is a key component to that. Yeah, I think uh, Bournemouth as well have been a club that haven't been afraid to keep the best players. And almost, as we're seeing with Fraser, they could have got 20-odd million for him last summer, um, but they decided not to and to play him. And I think that might have been a mistake in hindsight. Hindsight is obviously lovely for these things. But he got, was it four, you know, just had a look, 14 assists and seven goals last season mm. compared to four assists and one goal this. So like Will said, he, his form has dipped a lot. But he's, he's at the end of his contract. We know he's a good player. Um, he'll definitely bolster that Arsenal squad. I think Arsenal's squad is pretty paper thin. Um, when you look away from the the f- first eleven and then a couple of others, it's pretty weak squad. So he's definitely going to add to things. The one the one thing that bothers me about this, and we spoke about it last week, is you would have hoped that in all of these bad times and everything that teams in the Premier League would have kind of agreed to to just hold off on the poaching of these players because these these clubs in the bottom six at the minute are in such a as you said a precarious position a position where losing these players would would just end their their Premier League basically because they're not going to have the money to replace them that's the other thing so I, I don't really like the big clubs coming in and poaching these lesser uh, fortunate clubs in the the bottom half of the table but that's just the way of football. And if Arsenal can pick up Fraser on a free, they've done marvellously well to do so. So fair enough. Here's the wild transfer claim uh, of the last 24 hours. Mundo Deportivo in Spain mm. have claimed that Everton have offered a four-year contract to James Rodriguez. Now, I remember James Rodriguez as being the star of the 2014 World Cup, Will. Since then, he got himself a move to Real Madrid and he's been on loan at Bayern Munich. But yeah. the last couple of years, he's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. So this one took me by surprise to hear about this. Yeah, I did the podcast Friday with Jim and we were speaking about Everton and it was like, what do Everton need to do become to become a top six club? And my point at the time was they just keep buying talent from top tier teams that's on the way out that haven't that were good once but are not hitting the heights they are <laughs> and this transfer rumour literally just says well well you don't know what you're talking about Hamas Rodriguez has got four years left in him and we're going to give him 150 grand a week <laughs> probably going to sit behind Gilfie Sigurdsson and do nothing so I, it's just mental I hope it is a rumour because Everton need to change that transfer policy quickly and rapidly otherwise they're just going to fall by the wayside I mean, does it say a lot about Hamas that we haven't heard pretty much anything of him for, well, I can't think of where I've seen his name pop up in terms of Hamas has done this or another man of the match showing from Rodriguez. I mean, I can't think of anything that he's done in the last two seasons and maybe I'm being harsh on him. The only time I see him, well, last time I think I saw him in a football context was Bayern Munich. And the only time I see him now is if I open a pack on FIFA Ultimate Team and he comes out of there and I'm like, oh, I didn't realise he was there. I, I love this this transfer rumour because of what Will said. This is the most Everton transfer that's possible. They'll, they'll sign him for, well, it's, he'd be on a free, I imagine, because he's done nothing for so long. Um, and they'll pay him loads of money and hope for the best. It's one of those, all right, we'll take a punt on this this fella and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And 
it, it might work and we'll all look very stupid, but it absolutely stinks of he's going to get three goals, he's going to have an incredible game against somebody and then he'll get injured and, like you say, he'll end up playing defensive midfield. It's, yeah, they, they do need to change that transfer policy because it is a big name that you could really do without, I think, and that is no, uh, no malice intended towards Rodriguez who we've seen the best of, but it, yeah. It's and it's not even a shirt selling big name, is it, or is it? No, I don't think so. I think you're right there. I don't, I don't think many people will be getting off their seats about James Rodriguez, to be honest. And actually, Marcel Brands, who's the sporting director at Everton, is actually really well thought of by the supporters of the club. They actually really quite like him. But I mean, what would be their best position in terms of changing that strategy? We mentioned Bournemouth's tactic of looking in the Championship for decent talent and picking it up for the sort of fifteen twenty million price tag. I mean, do Everton need to maybe look in the depths of Europe and try and find players, for instance, um, Leicester picked up Riyad Mahrez and N'Golo Conte. Should should Leicester's model be kind of one that Everton are looking at and going, right, we need to kind of replicate that? I think even even Liverpool over the last few years, there's more sensible options that don't scream like big name. You, I always think back to when they signed Shaqiri and he hasn't done that much for them. But when he has been called upon, he's been very good. And he's one of those astute signings that he's not going to, nobody's going to get too excited about him. But that's the kind of player I think that, that Everton could be looking at. Leicester have, have got it right for years and years and years. They've they've signed like Ndidi recently, more recently, Soyuncu. Players that you might not have heard of, but then if you go to their leagues and ask about them, they are like the biggest name. So again, it's just let's pick up this player because he's big name. Uh, People know who he is, a bit like Moyes Keane. Big, big young signing for a lot of money, a lot of pressure. I think a lot of the time, especially where Everton want to go as well, you look at their ambitions of being a Champions League club and breaking into that top four. I think you've got to be a bit more astute about how you do it rather than, all right, let's throw 40 million quid at James Rodriguez for a year and hope for the best. It's, it's very much hit and hope rather than what appears to be some sort of actual logic to their... Uh, strange spending. One to keep an eye on, I think, then. Mundo Deportivo, that is, in Spain, claiming that Everton have offered a four-year deal to James Rodriguez. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, now from player transfers to a possible manager swap, Newcastle United are considering replacing Steve Bruce with Flamengo manager Jorge Jesus. Of course, many people are talking about this Newcastle United takeover at the moment, Will. Lots of talks about Rafa Benitez possibly coming back, and I think that is the man that the fans want if Steve Bruce was to be binned off, so to speak. However, this is a new name which has popped up, along with the likes of Pochettino, Jorge Jesus. I mean, can can you see this one going ahead? First of all, can you see Steve Bruce being a Birmingham City fan, knowing Steve Bruce well? Uh, can you see him lasting the uh, the length of time at Newcastle? I think he'll last the end to the end of the season, whenever that is, just because I always think it's a free hit for him and it's good for the owners to have that sort of transitional period. I mean, I think if no one's pitching the documentary idea for behind the scenes of Newcastle next season, that is a missed trick because there's going to be... I mean, the rumours already about the bidding for Coutinho, Pochettino coming in, maybe uh, this Brazilian manager coming in. There's just going to be absolute carnage behind the scenes and it's either going to be a, a miraculous sort of 
beautiful disaster or it's going to be uh, it could be horrible but yeah no I don't see this one I think if it is anyone it will be Pochettino because knows the league and it would be a sensible decision but Newcastle don't always make those sensible decisions it's been over 10 years now since Birmingham City were last sort of involved with Steve Bruce and he was at the club for quite a long time wasn't he was it five or six years he was there and you know what's the kind of overriding feeling from Blues fans towards Steve Bruce because he obviously played for the club for a bit as well before he retired and is has his kind of style of management developed over the years is he still kind of banging the same drum at Newcastle as he was at, at Blues all those years ago do you think um I, well I think he'd admit himself like tactically he's not the most astute and that's not his game I think the what the most revealing thing for me is working in the industry and speaking to a lot of players people like Clinton Morrison Emil Heskey Jermaine Pennant and if you ask them who's the best manager they play on played under Steve Bruce always gets a mention because they say he's such a good man manager he just treats the players like they are just human beings which sounds obvious but not a lot of managers do that so I think he's a wonderful man manager and you look at the job he's doing at Newcastle it's on par if not better with Rafa Benitez it's just I think we have a negative connotation with a group of managers like Bruce, Pardew, Allardyce, Moyes that obviously were part of that old boys club and <laughs> Jurassic Park that, I think is the connotation yeah exactly yeah. and they, they, they've sort of been all bunched together but Bruce isn't doing a bad job he, he ain't going to win the Champions League with Newcastle I mean cut that out when he does but um, <laughs> I think uh, I think he's a good, good interim manager and he could get them to like uh, dizzy height to 10 he's, he's just not sexy is he he just doesn't he doesn't have the name or the haircut or the, the suit or that's and that's what because of the like the influx of sexy managers in, in air quotes that's what fans want and expect now you don't want Steve Bruce rocking up to your club. And do you know what? Being quite stable at Newcastle. He's not set the world alight, but he's done a stable and a, a decent job with, with the issues that have gone on in the background. And obviously trying to follow Rafa at Newcastle is just not a job that you're going to want to take on. So I think they'd be very sensible in keeping him to the end, to the end of the season, whenever that is, just to make them look like they've not just fobbed him off for this new this new bloke who's coming in but I tell you what Jorge Jesus is an absolute animal of a manager and would be in an incredible watch from the outside you look at I, I had a look before it there's a there's a video that you should watch he um famously Jorge Jesus played for sport in Lisbon as a player but then he took over at Benfica as a bit of a journeyman manager who'd been everywhere took over at Benfica They'd won one title in 15 years. He took over there. He won three in a row and became basically God among amongst the Benfica fans in Lisbon. However, he then moved from he then moved from Benfica to Lisbon at the end of that season, which is like winning the league three times in a row at Liverpool and then moving to Everton. And he then moved to Sporting and he, he went back for a game against Benfica and you've never seen anything like the reaction he got. When he went back to Benfica, it was like it was like a war zone when he went back, and it was the classic "we we hate you so much because we loved you so much" kind of thing. And if he can bring some of that to the Premier League, it would be so much fun to watch. He's very much like Bielsa, where you'd really like him at your club just for the drama, not not just for the football, but you want him just to watch and kind of hope for the best. But I'd love him to take over at Newcastle. He won't, but I'd love him to. I think he feels your sexy haircut criteria as well, 
Keezy, to be yeah, honest. God, yeah. He's got a hell he's, of a well, barnet on him. Will's got that barnet at the minute. It's very much the, the long curtains. You're saying I've got a sexy hair? Yeah. You just need to put a suit on and then win three Liga Nos titles in a row. Yeah, absolutely class. But he's not going to be, is he? I kind of hope they don't bring Rafa back and Newcastle fans won't like that. But it feels like a sentimental, old-style Newcastle appointment, like when you bring Keegan back mm. or you bring... They, they need to move on. If they can get Pochettino, that's the manager you want. Mm. You're not taking... For all of Rafa's brilliance and, again, he's he's very astute, you want someone like Pochettino just to go in and have a go. Mm. It, it'd just be a more sensible thing, wouldn't it? Could there be a more perfect segue between grey-haired possible Newcastle managers than a grey-haired former Newcastle manager, Kevin Keegan, as we mentioned at the top of the show on this day in 1996, the famous... I would love it if we beat them. That famous run, could that possibly be the biggest meltdown in Premier League history? Now, I've had a bit of time to think about this. There's been a few over the years. I've got a few that I've thought of, possibly that could rival Keegan, but I still think that Keegan comes out on top. Some of the ones that I've thought of often include Newcastle, actually, strangely. Alan Pardew's headbutt. That was a bit of a a meltdown. Rafa Benitez's run about facts. Uh, Kieran Dyer. And Lee Bowie having a fight on the pitch. Does anyone remember Didier Drogba swearing down the lens of the camera in the Champions League? That's possibly the biggest meltdown I can remember in recent times. But I mean, it's almost a thing of the past. We haven't seen too many meltdowns in the Premier League in the last few seasons. I mean, you've got to go back to the 90s with the Cantona Kung Fu kick days to really see a proper football meltdown these days. There's been been some brilliant ones, some like... Smaller ones. The facts one is still one of my favourite ones. Just I tell you what, all of these meltdowns, especially from managers, always backfire. Like the facts one, Fergie went on and won the league, and he just became a meme before memes were a thing. There was um, <laughs> there was one with Harry Redknapp. If everyone remembers when he was Spurs boss, and he did his post match interview, <laughs> and um, I don't know who it was. It was probably Jeff Shreves. Let's be honest. Said. Uh, he was a wheeler dealer, and um, oh, yeah, yes. without without swearing on the podcast, he um, oh it's fine because he he signed off the interview, and when the interviewer said thanks, Harry, he went thanks. <laughs> so that that's a classic. And then um, <laughs> does anyone remember? This is another Newcastle one, and I had to look at the video for this. Um, Joe Kinnear was Newcastle <laughs> boss when he was in. Interim manager, uh, he man in his first press conference, he managed to fit in fifty-two swear words in one press conference, and he said a, a nice "see you next Tuesday" word all eight times in one press conference. He also used to get players' names wrong. Johan Kebab. That's it, Johan Kebab. Johan Kebab and still a Johan Kebab. That's a classic. What about um? Oh, there's so many of these. What about Neil Warnock? I remember this because um, somebody did like a TikTok of it recently where he said, oh, it, it makes me sick if I look at you, go and get in the bath or something uh, with his Sheffield United team talk after they'd lost. And, oh, Nigel Pearson, ostrich. Oh, you are an ostrich. That's legendary, that. Ostrich. There was, um, what was the, uh, what was the, Ian Holloway rant about uh, Seth Blatter that got him in loads of trouble. Oh, Ian, Ian Holloway's um, had some crackers over the years. He said, I, uh, I've had a word with FIFA. We're, gonna move, we're going to move Christmas. Fantastic. Uh, which was all about uh, moving the World Cup to November. 
and then he called Platini useless. <laughs> I was actually uh, at a meltdown of a, a former French international when uh, Birmingham played uh, Arsenal. It was uh, you'll remember the game from where it was when uh, Eduardo broke his leg. So uh, I got into the game late. Saw Martin Taylor walk past me. Thought that can't be good. Saw the replays before. That's not very good at all. Uh, we went one 0 up. McFadden scored. Then Arsenal scored and made it two one. And then uh, I think it was they were they were on course to definitely challenge for the title. And Stuart Parnaby went on a marauding run <laughs> in the ninetieth minute. Won a penalty. McFadden scored. But William Gallas would, was like sat in our half uh, at the opposition's half. And uh, he just wouldn't watch the penalty, and then he was just crying on the pitch, and he, and he wouldn't leave. And Arsene Wenger couldn't the, get him off. There's so many other ones. Uh, Phil Brown, when he was at the Etihad in 2008, yeah. City were 4-0 up at half time, and he sat them all down on the pitch, did yeah. the finger wag, and then obviously Bullard scored the next season and did it back and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a good one that wasn't a manager um, when Gary Neville lost his mind on Sky Sports um, <laughs> when he was. When United were four, they lost four 0 to Everton, and his quote was, "If you've got weeds in the garden, you've got to get rid of them." But there is some Japanese knotweed at this football club, and it's attacking the foundations. <laughs> Un- unreal that that came out of Gary Gary Neville's mouth. Uh, I'm sure there's absolutely loads. If you've got any that you can think of, send them in to us at the Sports Social. Uh, but Will Keezy, thanks very much for appearing on the show. Cheers, Cheers. And uh, thanks to everyone for downloading the podcast. We'll still be with you throughout lockdown. Three new podcasts a week. So make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you won't miss another episode. We'll see you on the next show. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.